Hello, and welcome to April's Travel Curious podcast with Toriosity and me, Georgia. Whilst this season I'm tour guiding in Rome again, talking to some of London's top guides recently has definitely got me feeling homesick for the British capital. And April has been a massive month for London, with the Queen's 90th birthday and the London Marathon, among other things. So, this is part one of our Travel Curious podcast on London. London is such a multifaceted, multi-layered cosmopolitan city, and possibly the most multicultural and multilingual city in the world. London can at first seem quite daunting to the first-time visitor, with a population of around 8 million and with over 300 languages spoken there. But as our guides will tell you, London is a patchwork of villages or towns, each with their own distinct flavour and personality, all stitched together with London's phenomenal public transport system. To get the most out of London, then, it's really important to plan your trip and focus on the areas you most want to see. The central patch of London is relatively small. For instance, to the London Eye is a five-minute walk over the bridge from the Houses of Parliament and Big Ben. It's an easy distance up Whitehall to Trafalgar Square. Mayfair and Soho are right next to each other, so afternoon tea at a swanky hotel, followed by a glitzy musical in the West End, is easily walkable. London is a fantastic city for couples, for families and for friends, with a vast array of things to do from museums, most of which are free, shopping, eating, strolling in the parks, visiting a royal palace or two, edgy street art tours in the East End, food tours, theatre in the West End, partying and clubbing, London has it all. Somehow when you're not in London, you feel like you're missing out. <laughs> in this podcast, I'm going to be talking to one of Toriosity's best guides, Rob Humphreys. Rob actually wrote The Rough Guide to London and now focuses on rock and roll tours of London. If there's anything you need to know about London, Rob can tell you. So sit back and listen as we take a peek under the covers of this extraordinary city. So welcome to Toriosity's London podcast uh, for April, everyone. Today I'm joined by one of Toriosity's top, top guides. Not just Toriosity's top guides, London's top guide, Rob Humphreys. And I'm so delighted to talk to you because um, I know that you do, amongst many, many tours, traditional and new and funky, the, a rock and roll tour of London. Yeah, it's true. And actually, uh, I tend to throw in rock and roll into quite a few of my ord more ordinary tours uh, um, and because people like it, you know. Uh, and I think it's one of those ones where it's just very secret because you walk around these streets and you have no idea, you know, because, I mean, apart from I think there's, there's maybe two or three plaques, you know, around saying Jimi Hendrix, there's a plaque to him, there's one to John Lennon. You have to have died quite young, plaque. <laughs> According to you know blue plaque rules, which are the poshest plaques you can get here, uh, you have to have been dead twenty five years. So, so you nice. have to have died young to for the, then you you know you have to put in an application. Of, but most of the stories are hidden, so it's only by a bit of researching and snooping around that you can come up, up with them. And then it's it's very nice because it's like a reveal. So you you know you appear to be in this ordinary street, and then you go yeah, but here. You know, and it's ah, quite fantastic. And that's why you have to have a guide to help you understand. Yeah, yeah it is. I mean, because there are one or two things, but if you don't know where to look for them, of you course have not. no chance at of all. Course not. So how long have you been a guide, Rob? Um, well, actual guiding I've been doing for about two, three years now. Oh, but I wrote The Rough Guide to London. So for 20 years, I was writing and researching that. Wow. So I've had a head start. You had a bit of a head start writing the rough guide to London. That's yeah. amazing. Gosh, so, we are in seriously safe hands with you then. 
so, Rob, tell us, what are your favourite things about London? What, what should people have to look forward to when they come and uh, stay? Well, I suppose if you've only been for the first time, you know, I mean, you have to see the obvious sights. So, I mean, I do say to people, go and do the obvious stuff. Because, you know, if you, if you don't visit, I don't know, the Tate Modern or the British Museum, if you've never visited them, if you've never seen Tower Bridge, if you've, the Tower of London is great, you know. Yeah. But obviously, if you've done all that stuff once, then you can start delving into... It's a cliche, but London's like a collection of villages, so you need to concentrate on little areas. So <clears throat> if you go to Hampstead, it's a completely different world. I live in Hackney. Uh, if you come to Dalston or you go east, completely different world. Absolutely, Absolutely. you know. So, so there's, there's little areas, and, and you have to try and get out to those a bit. But even in the centre, I mean, actually, most of the rock and roll tours I do are in the most likely areas of Mayfair, Marylebone, Soho's a bit more obvious, but even so, it's very central. So, obviously, if you, if you, you have a guide, you know, you don't even have to go out to the outer reaches to sort of dig up something yeah. uh, that's uh, different. Absolutely. Know. So, can you, without giving the whole tour away, can you uh, give yeah. us a few insights into uh, what you do? Well, I mean, the thing is, each one is very, uh, you tailor it absolutely to who, where you're meeting the clients. You know, I mean, um, the one I did that you read the article about, uh, we started in the Hilton, which initially I thought, mm, that's not very promising. It's not exactly, you know, very glamorous. Uh, well, it's glamorous, but it's not, not very interesting. Right. In fact, the Hilton in Hyde Park is totally rock and roll, okay? Because this is where the Beatles first met Maharishi Yogi. Uh, in 1967, so it's a, a total flower power moment. And brilliantly, they actually gave a press conference afterwards, and there's a photograph, which I show people, of all the Beatles and all their totally identical 60s wives, all in complete flower power gear with Maharishi Yogi in the middle. Wow. And that took place in the Hilton. And when you tell clients that, and they're standing in the Hilton, which is a real, you could be anywhere in the world, you know, they're like, oh, my God. And then you tell them, Oh, yeah, and you know Sid Barrett from uh, Pink Floyd lived in a penthouse at the top of the Hilton, you know, for two years. God. I mean, yeah. Then you take him around the corner and you show them a flat where Keith Moon, the drummer for the Who, from The Who, uh, died. And so did Mama Cass from The Mamas and Papas. People don't think they know The Mamas and Papas, but they do because it's uh, California dreaming. Do, do, do. You know, everyone knows yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, so we have hardly moved from the Hilton and already, you know, they're like... Explosion of rock and roll history. Yeah, you know, Very the next cool. Park, Rolling Stones gig in Hyde yeah, Park, you know, yeah. just after Brian Jones had died. So, I mean, that's just a, a, a snapshot. But if you, yeah. I, if I get asked to do an area, you know, before you know it, you can find some stuff Absolutely. out. Absolutely. And what you said earlier about London being a kind of a collection of villages, it really is true. It's kind of like London grew and grew and it's these different areas that are almost sort of stitched together. And when I lived in London, I lived in Greenwich, which is cool for its sort of right. naval history. And, and it's super easy to get up to Hackney and Brick Lane and all those cool areas. Yeah. And one of the places I really got, uh, I really kind of got discovering uh, when I was last in London was Brixton. And oh, of yeah. course, it, it's really poignant at the moment because darling old David Bowie, who was such an inspiration to so many of us, died this year. And he That's... lived there, didn't he? Yeah, so it, it's quite, um, this happens, people need a place to go to, like a shrine or whatever. The interesting thing here is this, it's actually a piece of street art by a street artist called Jimmy C, who's Australian. Now, he has done a lot of uh, street art around London. I do street art tours as well. Um, and so this had been on this side wall for quite a long time. Uh, he'd asked permission from the shop, but basically David Bowie was born a sort of a few streets away in Brixton. 
Um, he actually grew up a further out in the suburbs, uh, in a um, sort of Chislehurst area. Very, very, very unglamorous. Um, <laughs> but Jimmy Chee had so- chosen this spot. And so mostly people had ignored this David Barry uh, piece of street art, you know, just walked past it. But as soon as he died, it became this impromptu place that people went. Um, and I didn't even go and see it for many, quite a few weeks, actually. I didn't go down there. I'm a North Londoner, okay? It's, yeah. you, know, you, don't, you don't go south ever unless you have to. Um, and then I got asked to do a Brixton tour. So I said, fine. So I needed to go down and do a recce. And I went to the shrine and I was actually honestly really moved. I could not believe it. Uh, there were a lot of flowers, but more interesting than that was just people had felt the need to write lots and lots of little things all over the side of this shop who'd previously given permission i'm not sure how they felt about it because literally it was scribbled with notes and messages from people there were met little notes on the ground um i mean i think there's something about david barry he touched a lot of people because he was just who he was he didn't care. And I think people who feel it, we all feel a bit different from everybody else. Sometimes we feel that sense of alienation. And he really personified that. He didn't care. He did what he liked. Absolutely. Was he gay? Was he bisexual? Was he a man? Was he a woman? Right. Gender fluid? The whole thing really resonates even more today. I mean, he was out there in the 70s. But even today, it's a, it's a really poignant topic. So um, that was amazing. But actually, the, the, Brickley, um, the Brixton tour I did, I left it till last the mural because you don't want to give them the, the best no right. and it's actually directly opposite the tube so it's the easiest thing in the world to visit you don't really have to visit the rest of Brixton if you don't want you literally come out of the tube cross the road there it is there it is so <laughs> I, what I did is I came out of the tube turned left didn't tell him anything about it and then took him on about an hour an hour and a half tour we were doing street art we were doing the history of Brixton history of immigration and then brought them right the way around and finished up at Jimmy Ch- Jimmy C as a sort of you know the David Barry mural. It was, wow. it was great. It loved it. It was um, some American students, and they were absolutely blown away. It was a, I mean, it was inspirational actually of the people booking the tour, and that's part of the problem. Often is that people don't have the imagination, you know, to to book somewhere like a tour of Brixton. Uh, but I, they totally didn't regret it at all. It sounds amazing. And the other thing that seems to be really flourishing in London are food tours, kind of alongside yeah. rock and roll. I've got a yeah. friend who's got a new tour called Sex, Drugs, and Sausage Rolls. <laughs> Yeah, I like it, yeah. And, uh, which is brilliant. And it's sort of almost, because the food tours seem to be in these very kind of rock and roll areas like Brixton and Brick Lane. It's, yeah, it's true. Uh, I mean, obviously London is in, is still, uh, pop-ups are really big and there's, there's a really nice one in Brixton where they've just, it's just a derelict site and it will go in uh, next year. I think it's got to fold up, but, um, but it's a great place to go. It's a, it's a wonderful little stop on the tour. I took my uh, group there. Um, just to have a little look. But yeah, you can definitely do, you can do theme tours like that. Um, I mean, London has become much, much more foodie. I mean... Absolutely, because oh, the English I've, don't I've, exactly have a great reputation as being good for oh, food, but oh, actually... That's right. I've lived here t- too long. And uh, I mean, 25 years ago, uh, you know, whew, I think Brick Lane, you know, a curry in Brick Lane was the height of sort of, you know, street food excitement. So yeah, we've come a long way, a long, long way. Absolutely. And other than the rock and roll and foodie tours, Rob, what are your, what are your great kind of must-sees for people who are visiting London? Say it's just a long weekend or a week even what are your sort of top tips for two top tips in london and two top tips for outside of london like a half day or full day trip sure i mean um well you mentioned greenwich which is really lovely and i and i would say that a trip especially down the river you can do docklands like railway which is great and you can go through docklands and see it because it's an overhead railway yeah, and then you hey, land at canary wharf and you feel like you've landed on a 
exactly. foreign planet, planet, you know. Yeah, it's really weird. And you don't really want to stop in Canary Wharf. So Docklands Light Railway is the perfect way to get through it, you know, just to sort of gape outside the window and then go to lovely Greenwich and you can relax and go and see the view from the hill. But Ooh, uh, so North Greenwich, Londoner who likes somewhere south of the river. Yeah, well, it's, it almost feels like it isn't south of the river, Greenwich. I'll, I'll let Greenwich off. It's like the South Bank. You can go to the South Bank. That's okay. And but yeah, I mean, I, I live in Hackney, and I would say it's a great place to go. But you can start, take it easy, do Shoreditch and Brick Lane and Spitalfields. I think that is a fabulous area, either for Sunday markets, which are you know just great. They've tried to push them out. They just for, move a little bit further east. You know, but also obviously Dalston for a night out is is very good, and it's the scene is moving east. So Hackney Wick is interesting now. Go and see the Hackney Wick and the Olympic Park just to see the juxtaposition between those two. Um, that's that's quite an interesting thing to do. Um, in terms of a day trip, I mean, you know, I suppose the obvious ones, Oxford and Cambridge, are amazing if you haven't been. And so easy to get to by train. Yeah, that's it. I mean, literally, I think it was probably from my house. It's easier to get to Cambridge than it is to sort of, you know, southwest London. Yeah. Yeah, like Richmond. Yeah. I think Richmond is a great place to go. I mean, the Thames, generally, is a wonderful place to walk. If you go to Richmond, you can literally walk. You feel like you're in the countryside. So that's actually a lovely thing to do. They've got some cows in Richmond. You know, they've got these cows that the farmer wants to get rid of. But the locals like the cows so much, they are now, as far as I know, the only council-subsidised cows in London. Yeah. (laughs) Just so that the people of Richmond can stroll out of the houses and feel like they're in the countryside. Right. Yeah, which has probably increased the property rate by another million or so. Oh, easily, yeah. <laughs> Out of the, uh, one of the things I love about London is that all the museums are free. So why should you pay for a tour guide? Well, for a start, you've saved money by not having to pay to go into the museum. So, uh, I mean, if, I think if there's, a, if there's a few of you per head, it becomes actually very, very you know, affordable. So you've got three or four or five uh, friends, it becomes very affordable. The reason to take a guide is just that's really, London is a huge place. If you don't know what you're doing, you could wander around and be completely exhausted for a long time. Um, you, you know, for the, for the short amount of time you have that guide, because also you can pick their brains. I happily let people pick my brains at the end of the tour. I say, look, You've got me for another half an hour. Tell me what you're going to think you're going to see in London. I'll go, right, OK, really good idea. Or that'll take you, you know, at least half a day. Or, you know, just little things like that to help them with their itinerary. So Absolutely. it's like you get more than even just that, the, the guided tour that you get for the morning or whatever it is. Yeah. You also can have a little bit extra as well for the rest of the year. Um, Absolutely. Trip. Absolutely. And, and uh, to be able to pick the, the brains of the man who wrote the Rough Guide to London, what a treat. And I also think that guides can really help bring to life something that, you know, you sort of, you look at and you think you should kind of nod and smile and admire and secretly sort of think, what's, why, you know, why why is that important and why is that special at all? And a guide can really bring all of the history and the story and the personalities, you know, the scandal to life, I think. Whereas... You know, I, I love the National Gallery, but if you've never in- encountered the, yeah. the the artist before, then you can just wander yeah. around and kind of go, that's nice, that's nice, and not really Absolutely. get uh, an experience out of it. No, I think that's a really good point, actually. And in fact, I know there's this wonderful art in the National Gallery. You go in there, there's 2,000 paintings, right? And the average amount of time that a, that a person without a guide spends in front of a painting is 20 seconds. Wow. And the reason they spend 20 seconds is because they look at it, they're baffled. They, they've got no context. They don't know anything about it. There's a tiny little piece of blurb that doesn't really tell them much, and then they move on. 
And really, you know, when I take uh, clients to the National Gallery, we do maybe 10 paintings, but we really look at them and you get so much more. And if you pick one from each period, you know, you get this wonderful overview. You feel much, much more in touch and like you've actually engaged with the art. I used to go to the Uffizi in Florence, feel like I should go there. I hadn't got a clue, you know, just wandered around. And Absolutely. Absolutely. And you say that, you know, with the National Gallery, over 2,000 pieces of uh, yeah. work. And a bit like for me, you know, in the Vatican, if you spent yeah. 60 seconds looking at every piece in there, they say you've yeah. been there for 12 and a half years. So you have to have a guide to yeah. just help it all come together for you. Absolutely. All right, Rob. Well, listen, thank you so, so much for um, joining the Toriosity podcast sure. today. And um, how do people get in touch with you? Is it through Toriosity Direct? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, get hold of them and... Uh, They'll either get me, me, get get you me, or someone just as good. Well, nearly as good. Almost as good as you. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> Listen, Rob, thank you so so much for for joining us today. It's been Pleasure. a delight for me to meet you as well, and you uh, you've made me feel very homesick for for London. It's about eight degrees here at the moment. So, oh golly, right, right. Well, listen, Rob, thank you so much. Okay. Take care. Cheers, then. That was part one of our London podcast. It's been such a pleasure talking to Rob, and we hope it's inspired you to travel curious. Get in touch with us at toriosity.com and create your own tailor-made tools with our top-notch private guides. It really makes all the difference to your holiday. Stay tuned for part two, when I interview Augusta Harris. Augusta is an expert on the royals and all of the hidden gems of London. It's sure to be a fascinating conversation.